Hello and welcome to Beyond Top 10 Tennis. My name is Dr. Ashley Morgan-Burge and I'm your host. I'm the author of 11 books, a CEO of 12 years, a founder of a startup set on data privacy, but most importantly, an elite performance coach of over 18 years, having worked with athletes throughout Europe, the United States to Australia. And I think most excitingly, the world's leading scientist on coach and athlete performance specifically when it comes to developing a top 10 tennis ranking. That's right. Um, We unlock the code, if you like, on what it really takes to develop that top 10 tennis player and coach, which is really important because we, we know, and if you've been listening for some time now, that they go hand in hand. Uh, my work includes um, mitigating injuries through to that pathway to the top 10. I'm behind theories from the optimal performance theory, the V by Dr. B to the rule of transference. I've coined terms from the barrier breaker to a slew of others. And look, as has become custom, Um, With each and every episode, we've been digging deeper into one of my books uh, to really draw out those additional insights. And the book we've been focusing on for some time now is The Secrets to Optimal Performance Success, a comprehensive discussion on developing elite coaches and players. And look, I'm really excited about today's episode. And I know I say that a lot, but look, just today I'm really looking forward to it. And you might be surprised. So as always, buckle in and enjoy the ride. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, Look, as the intro said, today's topic is just really important and you might find it a bit surprising, but it's such an important conversation to be had. Um, And we haven't really, I guess, shared um, along these lines before. And it's it's something I think that is often overlooked to neglected. And look, if you want to follow along, we are on page 161. And today, Today's topic is addiction and coaching and I think those words are people might be surprised that they they can be interchangeable and look one of the most powerful uh, things or elements um, to sport and obviously that coaching proponent is in a way that's safeguarding and what I mean by that when you engage an athlete in um, a positive sports environment that obviously is controlled and it's really important to emphasize that controlled element because that's obviously where that coach comes in to control that environment in a way you are mitigating uh, the susceptibility to addiction and look this may be a, a very broad stereotype but maybe not so much I would probably argue against because There are a lot of uh, children these days, and this is, I I think, a very important topic to really just dive into. And when I I say a lot, I'm talking about that are more vulnerable and susceptible to not necessarily addiction, but a, a 
other forms and look addition comes under different barriers or banners and sport actually can be one of them as in an addiction to their their training uh, if it's not handled and obviously that's where injuries can develop and overtraining etc and I'm going to chime in really early on here to say I was susceptible to that as a, a younger player and also when I um change sports and when I say that obviously once I'd hung my rackets up and I um, dived into ultra running boy did I dive in and it could be argued that definitely I went through phases where it was too much and that's obviously I was uh, experienced uh, the, the side effects if you like from overtraining but this is very different. When we're talking about addiction, I really want to, I think, um, highlight or emphasize the more severe, important um, elements there, which we know that if you are that adolescent and you're really figuring yourself out because that's what it's all about. Each and every one of us has either been through it or we're going to go through it or we're going through it. (laughs) It's, It's a part of life. And again, if you've been following along for some time, we like taking that humanized approach. And it's so important to remember that tennis players, athletes, the human as well which means you are each and every one of us susceptible to vulnerable to you know varying things and addiction so happens to be one of them um, what happens though whether the susceptibility rate has increased or um, there's just greater awareness around it that that's obviously discussion in and of itself but we do know, um, and if you're listening, I'm, so, I'm sure you are very familiar, that addiction is, is more uh, prevalent now than historically. And again, that obviously I'm going to preface that by saying um, irrespective of whether it's just reported about more now than in the past, um, that's aside. But you go, what has this got to do with coaching and addiction? And it's it's really about what we're saying is the coach can set a very healthy precedent by having that very welcoming and conducive positive environment that's obviously working on um, an athlete's development. And if you look, listen to our most recent episode, it was obviously about structure and responsibility and shaping that and obviously what goes into that. And obviously one of the uh, proponents that goes into that is being able to give that player athlete child the tools to recreate that structure in their everyday life Um, as that player, as that athlete, as that child, but also the tools. But at the same time, it's also um, it's a different avenue for that child to give give their attention to and to focus on so it's not just obviously the school school um and all that system in and of itself if you are that developmental athlete and you are partaking in school uh, that can be but that you are still exposed to those potential susceptibilities those vulnerabilities etc and the same is the case obviously for that sporting context but the sporting context gets to take on a different shape um 
if you have those firm goals and those objectives set towards potentially heading towards the top 10 um, and this goes to whether you're that you know that 10 year old that 14 year old that 18 year old you know that 22 year old etc and being able to develop those goals those short-term goals to those long-term goals and maintain that focus and uh, that sense of discipline as well and with the right coach they're allowed or they enable that player athlete to stay on track which is incredibly important here and sport is very uh, helpful in this respect but by staying on that track and that structure to that discipline and again obviously in previous episodes we've, we've touched on these I guess topics uh, briefly some of the some more in depth obviously than others and what this obviously has to do with that uh, I guess the, the topic around addiction it's setting up those foundations and I think it's so important to share that not every child obviously has access to sport and or the right coach but when for the parents out there you have access to that right coach uh, that conducive environment and you're able to maintain that and I have a bit of I think a sad story here Uh, so I'll preempt that because once upon a time and this has been the case and i've seen this um irrespective if i've been in australia europe the states i've seen this i think on multiple fronts you have uh, athletes that you work with uh, or oversee whether from a junior throughout their adolescent to you know those those early 20s etc seeing them excel and essentially grow into a, a young adult and being able to witness that is just incredibly rewarding that there's no words for that though on the other side you do see the drop off essentially throughout those uh, later adolescent years that 15 16 17 years of age where that player if they're not in that right conducive environment the drop off um and they may fall um towards i i think the wrong crowd and we, we can say that they're more susceptible to those addictions and, and falling um, towards or and along that pathway. And I'm sure I'm not alone in saying uh, with other coaches out there, potentially parents too, that that's something I have witnessed, that I've seen the tennis players pull away, even if they have been exceptional, and that they become more um, vulnerable to those wrong type of crowds, which is incredibly disheartening because you see the derailment. You see that they're on the right track. And obviously the right track has different connotations here. So we're really talking about obviously the discipline that's involved with going towards that top 10 tennis ranking and you may deviate and decide you're going to stick to university and you're not going to become a professional tennis player or there's something other a career objective that 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 you have your sights set on or it could be a different sporting endeavor it's about simply maintaining that pathway and I think a sense of purpose to where you are going or what you are working towards and that's probably um, sums it up but when you you lose that sense 
where that whatever you're working towards is no more. And this is a very common, I think, for the, the player athlete that experiences an injury, for example. And they do become more susceptible in this respect to deviating. And it's the responsibility there of that coach and the parent together. So recall the discussion on that triangular approach. So it's so important, especially in these type of times, when the parent may notice their child um, is becoming more susceptible, more, more vulnerable in certain inferences or instances. And the coach has the capacity in this sense to draw them back, to draw them in. Because at the end of the day, the coach is that role model figure and they do have the capacity to put them back on track. Because essentially, you should have such an exceptional coach-athlete relationship there. If not, please do read up on these texts, obviously, at AMA International. But with that toolkit, so to speak, you can draw them back along the pathway. But more often than not, you see coaches with this potential and they don't draw them back because they're like, oh, I've got all these other players I could potentially be working with. No, but that is, that's not the point because being an exceptional coach, being an elite coach, there's so much more to that. And an elite coach can be described as someone obviously that works with a top 10 player but at the same time it can be a coach that works within the or with players at that developmental end of the spectrum but they're exceptional at what they do because it takes all forms and all levels obviously of coaches to get a player towards that top 10 tennis ranking some will have the capacity to stay throughout that phase of development throughout the long game. Others, they serve a purpose for different phases and obviously it's dependent on that skill set. And I think the skills they have fine-tuned over the years and where their passion is through that. And I think what we're really touching on today is the skills, if irrespective if you are there from the beginning to the end or at some stage throughout. It's what you can do to mitigate uh, the susceptibility to addiction. And it's so important to be to be brave enough on all ends, whether you're that parent or the coach, to be able to have that discussion. And I am sure I'm not alone in this, but th- this is also an example. Um, early on in my coaching career, and this is w- within the first less than 10 years, for, for, <laughs> Um, though I'll preface that, that I was in uh, my, my early to mid-twenties at that stage because, <laughs> recall, I did start at a younger age. But what happened is that, unfortunately, one of my players was put in a vulnerable situation. And I'm not going to go into too much detail of, obviously, what happened. But that player, I had established such an exceptional relationship with this uh, player and obviously with their parents as well that the player felt was brave enough and courageous enough to come to me and say obviously what happened then and obviously it wasn't a good thing and this is an example of the power of an exceptional coach to be able to for that 
athlete, that child, that player that had that confidence and to be able to confide in you because they were too, they didn't know how to talk to their parents about this. And obviously I, I spoke to them to make sure that their parents obviously could be told that we could address this issue. So of course I, I did and I spoke to the parents and obviously with what had happened and, and they took obviously matters further. But the, the, the premise here is about if you have the capacity to put in the work and become an exceptional coach, you become that confidant for that player in those times when they are vulnerable and or put in, I guess, um, a situation where they are susceptible and things happen outside of their control because at the end of the day, they are a child. And remember that humanized approach. And this is, this is so incredibly pertinent to be mindful of. And I did preface this episode by saying these are hard topics. And it just goes to show, though, for the parents and coaches especially listening, that you have the capacity to be able to build those relationships to not only protect that child athlete in these or those type of circumstances, because if you're not there, you don't essentially have control of what happens, um, that things are outside of your control, unfortunately. Um, but you can set a, a healthy precedent. You can make sure the right people are there. You can make sure that that child athlete has parents they're comfortable of talking to and or a coach that has an exceptional relationship with that parent or and or guardians that that child athlete knows that they can talk to that coach and I think that's what this is about but then at the same time you have the opportunity there to build such an exceptional relationship where that player feels incredibly comfortable talking to you and safe and I, I underline, bold, underscore that, etc. Neon signs safe to be able to have those conversations. This sets the precedent for obviously that addiction. And addiction f- uh, falls into many categories. And whilst this is not framed or recognized as an addiction in no way, shape, or form, it's the same habits. And what I mean is that if you're able to provide that safe and nurturing environment from that coach's perspective that listens, can can hear them, hear and understand them, and to have a really good rapport, obviously you are applying, integrating um, key pedagogic practices in your coaching framework. You also um, have established an exceptional relationship between and or with that parent or guardian. Uh, This sets the pathway. This not only allows that player athlete to head towards the top 10, you are also setting them up for success in whichever way that is framed for the individual for when they become or transition into that young adult and so forth. Now, the topic of addiction, I think it's, it's really, it's overlooked, but, and obviously it more often than not, it's viewed as outside of the area of that, that coach. And I would probably uh, defer. And 
differ, sorry, in this context. And by that I mean, I'm not talking about obviously performance enhancing, that that's not the case here because obviously that's a big no. Um, It's really about falling into the wrong crowd, so to speak, if you are that player athlete and or you are susceptible but being able to (laughs) really simply stay on the straight and narrow by having that that go-to person that coach that role model that the guidance the advice there and obviously is on the same page as that parent guardian however I'll preface this by saying parent or guardian, for argument's sake, could potentially be a negative influence. And that's where the coach is has the capacity to be even more empowering. But also, there may be, or hopefully, another family member that you can draw upon and build that relationship with. If not, again, and I touched on this in the previous episode about those friendships and the value of being able to have that that healthy dynamic with that friend or friends um, and obviously being able to have that exchange, that interchange with one another about obviously your performance, performance objectives, obviously, um, and where you're going. So obviously those short-term goals, those long-term goals. And again, we've touched on um, in recent episodes, the, the power of planning and the coach giving that player athlete the tools to plan. Because I can't remember, and if you are that player listening, it's it's about writing down where you are now and, and where you want to go and breaking down that obviously into your goals so you've got those short-term and long-term goals having that coach that can work with you around that and the simple practice of goal setting and I know it sounds very simple but it's so incredibly powerful because we're looking at those steps and those incremental steps to get you towards whether it's that top 10 ranking or whether it's that top 10 local ranking at your local club to that top 10 national ranking and then eventually obviously you want to progress towards top 500 top 200 you know top 80 in the world top 40 in the world and then before you know it you're ascending towards the top 10 on the wta and or atp tours and the capacity it it is there you can do it but and i know but there is planning the planning obviously is involved and it has to start somewhere though that's obviously where the seven keys come in now the earlier you're able to integrate the seven keys into your training load obviously that that the more um optimized your performance is and is able to progress and reach its individual cycles over and over and over as the next level is reached and the next level and obviously that's cyclical and that's something we've touched on but again getting back to today's topic obviously on addiction we really want to look at the more i think that the serious phases as well and look I've touched on some issues uh, and I have endeavoured to be quite lighthearted, for for lack of better wording, because I really do recognise the severity of that. And I say that from a place as 
a chairperson of a mental health organization as well and so I'm very mindful and we do have episodes on mental health mental conditioning and the role of depression anxiety etc and obviously addiction falls under that there's without a doubt anyone that falls susceptible to that the likelihood of them experience something with their mental health is incredibly high and also if it's depression anxiety etc um, and the susceptibility there obviously that is not saying in any way shape or form please that if you do experience that that means you know you are susceptible to addiction that's not what i'm saying is that if you are experiencing addiction um, there is a very high chance that there's something else in your life that it is not really how you would like it to be. So obviously you are susceptible in that respect. So it's very important to clarify that. Um, so look, to get started, um, this is a very big, I think, dive into straight away. Um, let's get back to today's, obviously, more topic uh, and have just a light discussion around that. So if you want to follow along, we're on page 161. As time goes by, it is becoming more evident that most of us carry or know someone who suffers some form of mental health condition. Unfortunately, there is a stigma around mental health, otherwise termed invisible illnesses, that remains frowned upon by society in large contrast to accepting its significant presence in the global community. And I think, um, and I obviously will date today's episode by, by sharing this, is that um, one of the best things, um, obviously it's not good, but it's just a saying in this respect about COVID is that, or the, the pandemic in this respect, is that each and every person um, around the world either has experienced um, something uh, to do, so a shift in their mental health, and or they know someone that this has happened to. So, and this is a topic that has been spoken about from different experts, you know, around the world in this field specifically. So I'm not putting my hand up to say this is my field um, in no way, shape or form, though I'm acknowledging as well that I have a very good, I think, background and understanding, obviously, as I've shared in the mental health space. And when we really look at that child, that athlete, that player, we really have to acknowledge from a coach's perspective, uh, the vulnerability to susceptibility here and how um, a coach can mitigate this. And parents to the guardians out there, how sport can help mitigate this. Uh, but most, I think, um, from I, <laughs> the best place possible, if you're heading towards a top 10 tennis ranking, you are going to experience um, bumps in the road with your mental health. And we've touched on this about your mental conditioning and is such a, a huge part of your training as well. And so for the coaches out there, it's really, it's integral that your coaching pedagogy is mindful of this. And obviously the seven keys are 
draws on this, talks to this. Make sure that if you if you do want to develop um, into an elite coach, to have the tools, the toolkit to develop um, your player to achieve a top 10 tennis ranking, those seven keys are, are second to none. That is what it takes. And the mindfulness from the coach's perspective um, to be conscious of mental health, your um, the mental conditioning of that athlete is absolutely integral to their performance and those are cyclical peaks. This frowning makes life for those who have a mental illness a little harder. Let's remember that anyone who has a mental illness did not pick it out of an allotment of health issues and then say, yes, this one. I want this one to affect my life in ways I find difficult to control, let alone control at all. Perfect. Uh, No. From a coaching standpoint, we can help. And I think this is, on one hand, absolutely hilarious because... Um, those of you who I think are up to date are um, in this space, uh, or if not, that's not necessarily the case, but we definitely know those who believe um, that mental health does not exist and or have an old school approach that uh, mental health issues are negative, they're very bad, and that's just sad and just bad and all of the above and essentially all those old school connotations rather than sharing that without a doubt um, most people and I won't say everyone but there's a very high chance have experienced something with their mental health whether that is an anxiety related to a phobia (laughs) Um, it could be just a concern it could be something to do with bullying Um, whether you are the one bullied or the, the bully those that really actually do have mental health implications and it's really really broadening the scope and I get I'm talking to you here um, from that I think um, that board director uh, standpoint from that chairperson standpoint and coming to you obviously with my expertise behind developing that top 10 tennis ranking and obviously that um, scientific approach and my breadth of work so when we couple those two together, it's quite powerful. And I can tell you the amount of adults that I've spoken to that um, obviously acknowledge that mental health is, it's very widespread. And then there obviously is that category that doesn't. They think that it's something that's just not to be spoken about, which really makes it incredibly hard for that developing athlete. So this is where I'm focusing on that child, that athlete, that player, um, specifically throughout that adolescent um, age group to the young adult, because we're looking at obviously progressing towards that top 10 tennis ranking and mental health it happens. It's there. It, it, it's a part. It's the package. Okay. And I think it, it's so important to talk about because in my generation, when I was playing, it, it was rarely spoken about. Mental conditioning was definitely spoken about. And that's in one of uh, my previous episodes. But we know um, now more than ever, uh, we have children at a very young age experiencing um, mental health concerns or impacts to their mental health um, more than ever before. And I think as I uh, preface this episode that it's not necessarily known if it is more than ever before or that the data is simply there, the conversations are being had and reported on. Um, 
And that's essentially to say that I am sure without a doubt, uh, you know, 10, 20, 30 plus years ago, mental health obviously was evident, was prevalent. It was simply not spoken about. Um, now we know that we can speak about it, uh, we can address it, we can have those tools we can put in place to help. Uh, opposed to, again, that's 10, 20, 30 plus years ago, whereas don't talk about it. And if you don't talk about it, then we can't give you the tools or the tools were not as uh, readily available, so to speak. Okay, before we get too much on a tangent, uh, let's dive back in. People who have a form of addiction, a type of mental illness in its broader context, did not choose for this addiction to impact and or run their lives. Something commonly misunderstood, ironically. On a superficial level, an addiction can be seen as too much TV, too many video games, or too much couch sitting in general. In the big world, addictions are commonly known or referenced in regards to alcohol addictions, drug addictions, or even controlling addictions. Think repeat domestic violence offenders. But how does all of this tie into the coaching profession and the world it encompasses? And it's so important to look at, I think, both sides there. Whereas you have the more simplified um, that aren't taken as seriously, obviously from you know the TV to video games. Uh, to the more serious ones that I've touched on and the ones who have very, I think, negative implications and and really are concerning. Though I'm not going to dive into that, but it's really showing that just because one could be more serious than the other does not mean it does not fall under the same banner. Obviously, there are different levels of severity to someone's obviously health and well-being. But when we're obviously looking at that uh, child uh, to adolescent to young adult, uh, there are different implications irrespective of the level or the type. But when we're bringing this back to the coach, it's, it's that understanding, being able to have that level of rapport with that child, that player, that athlete, and to begin those conversations. And if you are put in a place where you can at least have those conversations with your player, athlete, that is an exceptional head start because then you hopefully have the tools, if not, we've touched on how to develop those tools to lead them uh, by example keep them on that pathway, remember those short-term to long-term goals to allow them to have that incremental success, to be that positive light there, but also to look at how you can help. Now, help can be framed from having those conversations with the parent to the guardian uh, to looking at how you can work together. And, or obviously there are more uh, severe alternatives, but it really starts about having that knowledge, having that level of awareness, and knowing that as a coach, you do have the power to help, um, especially if you've established a really healthy coach-athlete relationship um, to be that person that they can confide in. As a professional understanding the world around us and the world we practice or rather coach in is not only a vital learning tool that can direct and inform how we go about coaching, but it allows us to be considerate and to shape ourselves as professionals to accommodate different learning needs of our players. I can almost guarantee you 
that with the amount of people these days that have some form of mental illness and thus addictions are becoming more commonplace. A developmental athlete may know or their family may know of, if not directly experience, one of these forms of uncontrolled, unasked for health problems that they never expected to deal with. And I want to finish on that one because it's so important to recognize that no one asked for this. (laughs) Of course, no one put their hand up for it. But also, most uh, children do not recognize what obviously a mental health concern could be. Uh, The word word illness, I think, has very negative connotations, but it's really uh, looking at, I think, that broader understanding of health. It's simply a health concern. It's something, something that has shifted in our health that we can learn to um, either get healthier, um, have tools to help manage, but also to how we can leverage our performance in different ways. Now, some players, athletes will use their training as an escape mechanism. And I know that, again, from personal experience, which I won't touch on, maybe at a different or through another episode. But it's so important from a coach's perspective to have um, a reasonable understanding of, I think, the different forms of addiction, uh, the different, obviously, connotations around mental health and illness, how being a coach and a positive role model can help, building that triangular approach with that parent and or guardian, how it is and or can be incredibly conducive for that child uh, tennis player's uh, performance and how, again, when we're setting those, I think, performance parameters um, in incremental amounts, remember, so, and that comes back to that simple act of goal setting, short-term and long-term, and how not only how that aids performance and obviously being able to optimize your performance, but also how it inadvertently acts as, um, let's say, a very healthy distraction if someone is experiencing something they're not after with their mental health, having those those little incremental goals that they can work towards, the level of focus that it takes to be able to tick them off, it's so um, incredibly helpful and rewarding. And it's applicable to every single player, athlete, child, that it's a rule of thumb. So if there's anything you take away from today's episode, whether you are that athlete or not, you are that parent or you're that coach, it is just as applicable. Having those short-term and long-term goals, writing that down, having that sense of focus that you are working towards. And I can guarantee you, it will help you directly in your own life and or someone who is in your life that you can obviously help, whether it's directly or indirectly. So look, when it comes to, you know, the coaching and addiction, the topic around that, it can get really complicated and I think a bit messy at times, but we can really simplify it and streamline it by acknowledging that, you know, we do play a role as coaches there's a role that you you do play and you can play and be incredibly helpful um you can be just incredibly powerful empowering for that player athlete and that life what they really need when they're going through those darker moments and for the uh, parents to guardians out there to really be conscious of this so <laughs> choose that coach wisely in the and i mean that in the best possible way 
because together um, and again touching on that triangular approach it can be incredibly powerful and so well I think it's so important to end on that because at the end of the day if you want to obviously uh, have those performance peaks that's where those are those incremental goals come in and at the end of the day that end goal becoming that top 10 tennis player and if you want to work towards that pathway and the long game towards that top 10 tennis ranking this is where we start and being mindful of obviously the connotations associated with mental health even empowers the athletes so much more uh, because it establishes obviously that level of awareness that level of mindfulness and look that core objective and that end goal that top 10 tennis ranking Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, Look, to grab a copy of The Secrets to Optimal Performance Success, head on over to AM8 International. That is am8international.com. For any comments or questions, again, head on over to AM8 or Topic Thread. That's the only social network um, I am on. Or if you'd like to share additional thoughts around this topic, because it's so important and powerful, uh, beyond Top 10 Tennis is on Threads to, to Medium to Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram and also TikTok so remember we have those weekly a few times during the week those coaching tips as well to just to um, pique your interest so please come and say hi and obviously um, if you enjoyed today's episode give us a five stars if you loved it or just simply subscribe you know like follow everything and all of the above is incredibly appreciated um for something different uh, my fictional release is on pink octopus books and look as always i will leave all of the links in the episode notes and just i think touch on i think a few final points it's a hard topic uh, without a doubt and i really hope that um, i kept it as uh, light-hearted and simple as well as possible i would absolutely love your feedback on that um we do obviously have those polls and questions if you are listening on Spotify. Um, if you are listening on one of the other channels, please feel welcome to participate as well. And or send those comments through over on AM8 or one of our social channels for Beyond Top 10 Tennis. Again, all of those links are in the bio. Because look, at the end of the day, your feedback helps shape you know our, our current and or future episodes as well. And for those of you who have been listening for some time now and sending that through thank you so much from the bottom of my heart and look if today's you know your first time you're tuning in thank you so much please don't be shy so look on that note let's wrap it up um i'm so grateful thank you so much for listening i am your host dr ashley morgan burge and this is beyond top 10 tennis and i'll see you next time